Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family as we continue our family Bible studies in the Gospel of Luke. And today we come on to one of the most treasured portions of Scripture, Jesus' parable of the lost sheep. It starts out in Luke chapter 15. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Now, I'm going to give you a question that's going to open up this parable. At least I really Really, really do think this opens up the parable. It's a simple question. Why did Jesus tell this parable? Well, the reason he told this parable is given to us by Luke, but we just have to move back two verses. I started reading you the parable in Luke chapter 15 and verse 3. I'm going to go back and read verses 1 and 2, and then we'll go back to the parable. 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And then verse 3 says, So he told them this parable. The reason Jesus spoke this parable is given to us in the first two verses that these very religious, outstandingly pious religious leaders were just baffled beyond all understanding why Jesus, who claimed to be a true prophet of God, was receiving sinners, welcoming them, and eating with them. And that's why Jesus told this parable. You know, it's interesting in the lectionary, it combines Luke 15 with a passage from 1 Timothy 1 from St. Paul, and it goes right along with this, because if you catch those first two verses of Luke 15 and you then see, so Jesus told this parable, well, this is what St. Paul says. It's basically the same thing. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the foremost of sinners. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience for an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. St. Paul was basically a guilty of murder, or at least being an accessory to murder, to St. Stephen. And he classifies himself as the foremost 
of sinners, and yet he says he received mercy. He received forgiveness. And how do you make up for killing somebody who's a true man of God, St. Stephen? You can't make up for that. You can't climb any religious ladder. You can't do a hundred different devotions far in excess of all your contemporaries. You can't make up for something like that. All you can do is receive mercy. And even St. Paul, who was before his birth destined to be that apostle of mercy to the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world, part of God's plan was that in his very life, he was to be an example that God's salvation comes to people because of God's love and mercy, not because they're inherently good. If they need a savior, they can't become good on their own or else Jesus wouldn't have bothered to show up. And yet these religious leaders didn't get it. And, you know, here I am. I'm an EWTN Catholic radio host for TV and radio. And in case you're new to this, you know, I was a wild, crazy, ungrateful, prodigal son, college dropout, and God's grace saved me. And it wasn't because I saved myself and I didn't deserve the mercy of God. I was simply a lost sheep, and the good shepherd brought me home. Now, you you know what moves me? You know, I have a lot of energy to do this. It's been going on for several years. I've still got the energy. Do you know where it comes from? A significant part of the Faith and Family broadcast, my ministry to Catholic dads, is trying to help parents and families create an environment for their young people to mature and grow in their Christian faith so they don't have to go through what I went through. And that's exactly what St. Paul was saying. St. Paul says, I went through this. And, you know, he's not boasting about it. It's not a great thing, but, but God used that nonetheless. And, you know, it's very interesting to me that the picture, and I'm talking both in Protestantism and Catholicism, the picture is often conveyed that Christianity has this great message for the whole world, for those in the whole world who are perfect. And somehow, if we kind of let people see we're a little less than perfect, that we don't have a religious halo, I don't have a religious halo, okay? Um then somehow we're not quite up to snuff. Do you know who is the most refreshing priest uh, that I listen to on Catholic radio? Now you're gonna, I'm not, there's a lot of good priests, don't get me wrong, a whole lot of, I'm saying the most refreshing. And to me, the most refreshing is the priest who kind of combines Luke 15, the parable of lost sheep, and St. Paul's thing, I'm the foremost of sinners. I'll tell you who it is. Uh, You guess for a minute. For me, it's Father Larry Richards. And you know why? He openly says to the whole world on Catholic media, I'm not perfect. I sin. I think, wow, how refreshing is that? Because God seems to love Father Larry. He seems to be using Father Larry hey, he's not perfect, but God loves him and God's working on him. Maybe what he's saying about God loves me too is actually true. Because if we set up this standard of of 
perfection, and it isn't there. Let me just tell you something. I was a Protestant pastor, and as a pastor, you learn some things, and there's no difference here between Protestants and Catholics, okay? It's just that as a Protestant pastor, I learned some things, that on the outside, some of the people in my congregation who would be regarded as, well, like these scribes and Pharisees, the really exceptionally holy people were really struggling the most being faithful to Christ, okay? I'll just tell you that. And I don't think there's any difference for that if you're a Protestant or a Catholic. And sometimes it's just so refreshing to hear that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I was a lost sheep. Now, right now, and I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're a man or a woman, a teenager, maybe a child, maybe maybe somebody who has a terminal illness. I don't know, but there's somebody listening to the radio right now. And the wonderful thing about radio, it's broadcasting the seeds of the gospel. And it goes everywhere. And you might think, what, what, in the, who, what am I listening to? And you might be one of those lost sheep. And you're thinking, boy, I'd like to get my life kind of squared away with Jesus, but I'm too screwed up right now for God to love me. Um, I, I have to clean up my act before I can start going back to church. And I need to get off of drugs or alcohol before God will accept me. This is the most basic of lessons in the New Testament. And, yet, and, and basically, we all know this stuff, but do we? We really need to hear this at our core, at the DNA level, we really need to hear this. And again, it comes from 1 John, and it's about God's love. He says in chapter 4 and verse 9, and, and these two verses, 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10, are the type of verses you want to teach your child, the type of verses you want to memorize and teach your children to memorize, because they could need these. In this is the love of God, that God sent his only son into the world that we might live through him. And now here's the essential point. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the expiation for our sins. You see, you have two groups of people here in this parable. Because the parable, the so connects it, verses 1 and 2 with the rest of the parable of lost sheep. You see, the lost sheep know <laughs> that they need a Savior, okay? And, and so when the lost sheep hears that message of mercy and grace, they can respond, whereas the Pharisees were totally clueless. They had no idea what Jesus was doing, you know eating with sinners and then talking about lost sheep and God going out of his way to get them, because coming into union with God is not because we love God. He loved us. And if you start with God's mercy, God's forgiveness, well, then you have the energy to begin living the way Jesus wants you. Now, you know, the Pharisees were holy men, at least externally, and they're exceptionally pious, above and beyond all the other 
kind of normal folks, okay? They were super holy, but in their own eyes and in the eyes of their neighbors, but they were void of the love of God. You see, you don't get the love of God by getting your act together. That's every religion of the world except one called Christianity. Christianity means God's love comes to you, and when his love comes to you, then you can begin to get your act together. And hear this, parents. Be really cautious about teaching your children, either intentionally or unintentionally, that super-duper religious practices make you especially loved by God. This is called performance Christianity. In other words, the good shepherd loves you because of your super-duper performance. This is self-effort. Self-effort leads to pride, and it's the most toxic thing to Christian faith there is. Now, let's say, just hypothetically, and I'm asking you not to do this, but if you teach your kids either by your example, by your subtle words, and maybe you're on the same treadmill of performance Christianity. You teach your kids that. Okay, living in the 21st century, it's not going to be uncommon that your kids are going to fall down, okay? They're going to crash and burn maybe more than once, okay? And when they do, because they've been raised on performance Christianity and they're not performing very well, they'll quit the faith, saying, God doesn't love me, he can't accept me, because I'm not performing at 150%. All right, this is where we need to listen very carefully. Again, St. Paul, Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Try to listen to this, and you say, well, you know, I hear this stuff, I know this stuff, but you know, a, a lot of Catholics aren't living this stuff. The living reality is what we need in our homes and in our parishes. Romans 5 and verse 6, while we were still weak, while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ doesn't wait for you to get your act together. If you're the lost sheep listening to me right now, reach out in faith. Say, Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. He will have mercy on you. You mean that. Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Why? Because while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And the super godly, the super performers, the super pious, verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15, are clueless. They had no idea what's going on with Jesus. Now, the next verse in Romans 5, I read to you verse 6. Excuse me, this is verse 8. What happens when you realize Christ died for the ungodly? That you are a sinner. Not you're, you're not a super performer. You're a sinner, and Christ dies for you, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. And what's the result of all that? Romans 5.5. This is what made the first century Roman Catholic Church turn a pagan empire into a Christian one. This is is the hinge. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. God's love. 
like molten lava has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hey, if you're standing outside wondering why Jesus loves sinners, this isn't going to happen. If you're onto the performance Christianity treadmill, this isn't going to happen. If you're teaching your kids this, this isn't going to happen. But if you teach them to say, Jesus, have mercy upon me, a sinner, what happens? God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Now, let me ask another question. Who is the church father who is like Father Larry Richards on steroids? I mean, Father Larry Richards occasionally says, I'm not perfect. And to me, when I'm driving around, I mean, that is so refreshing because God loves him. God's using him. God's changing him. Okay. I'm not perfect. That means, hey, maybe maybe we're in this, this whole process together. Well, who is the Father Larry Richards of the church fathers on steroids as far as putting it out there? It's none other than St. Augustine. His confessions, have you ever read his confessions? <laughs> he puts it all out there. He's just like St. Paul. I'm a chief among sinners. But he's found he became an apostle of grace, St. Augustine. Why? Of God's love. Guess what was the most quoted verse of the Bible, of all the verses in the Bible from St. Augustine, quoted by him, over two hundred times, two hundred times. It was Romans 5, 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the church father who wrote the confessions all, because he's noticed he was a lost sheep and God found him. And he goes over and over again, you know what I should probably do is just a radio broadcast and do nothing but repeat 200 times Romans 5, 5. This is exactly what it's all about. As St. Paul says, the saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. So this is wonderful good news. And it shows that Jesus is the one who can leave the 90 and 9 and go find the one lost sheep. Now, there's a second thing we really need to gain from this parable. This parable teaches that God is on the move, so to speak. You know, the Blessed Trinity goes out The love from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit goes out. It's very self-contained and could be self-contained and very self-satisfied for all eternity, but it's gone out into creation, into redemption. Now, Luke 19.10 goes right along with the parable of the lost sheep. This good shepherd leaves the ninety and nine and goes in search of the one. You would say, ah, just cut our losses. Look, we got 99. Forget the one. No. Luke 19.10, and I'm quoting the King James, and I'll tell you why in a minute, says this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. You know, I taught all my kids a jingle. They, they, this is one, if you ask my kids, and they might forget the reference, but if you go like this, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
what was lost. Now, if you're a Christian, you follow Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus to seek the lost, you're in the cold. You're totally in the cold. If you're just into Jesus, make me happy, Jesus, save me, Jesus, take care of my family and forget the rest of the world, I'm sorry, but you'll be left behind because Jesus is on the move. Let me tell you a story. You know, when I had my conversion experience, I was in the service, I went out to a very large church that was very evangelistic. I drove 3,000 miles to this church out, out in California. And the amazing thing is that every week, every week, dozens of lost sheep found forgiveness in Christ. And then Holy Week. During Holy Week, several hundred lost sheep came to faith in Christ. Now, you know, this church was very big on the rapture at any moment stuff and some other things that I'm very blessed to have moved on through studying scripture and theology, and, and I'm obviously very blessed to have discovered the Catholic faith. But to be really honest, when I read the parable of the lost sheep, I can't help but feeling that I'm frequently missing something. Because if you just aren't careful, if you aren't careful, much of Catholic life, weekly life, parish life, it can be inward focused. And, and this applies to Protestant situations as well. And that's fine. I mean, there's a certain amount you need the inward focus to build up the body of Christ. But you also need an outward focus. You know why? I'll tell you exactly why. Do you ever see somebody really start out well in a Christian life or your kids start out well? And not because of some atheistic professor or falling into morality. They just peter out. Well, you know what happens is this, and I can best illustrate it, and you've heard me, maybe some of you several times heard me say this in the past, but it can be best illustrated to the two bodies of water in Israel. In the north, there is the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee takes in, takes in input, and that's why we have to have the inward focus for ourselves, for our families, for our parish. And it's these nice waters that come down from the mountains and the Sea of Galilee teems with life. There's fish in there in the days of Jesus. There's fish in there to feed people today. Okay, And then from the north, the Sea of Galilee, the Jordan River goes south into the Dead Sea. In many ways, it's very much like the Sea of Galilee. It's receiving the same waters. It's receiving even the waters where Jesus uh, was baptized in the Jordan River where John the Baptist baptized people. So it had the life-giving effect of, the, of, of baptism in these Jordan waters coming into the Dead Sea. But the Dead Sea is dead because it takes in, and everybody has to take in if you're going to be spiritually alive. But if you don't have a way to put it out, you're going to die because it's just that way. Uh, Jesus is moving on. 
he leaves the 90 and 9 and go in search of the one. Now, there's a lot of ways to do this. Uh, maybe you can offer to um, pay for your parish to put up visitors welcome sign. A lot of churches don't have them. Maybe some type of outreach. You know, we send um, various resources from the Family Life Center to our donors, but we ask our donors, when you're done with this, and if you pass it around your family, share it with somebody. See, don't be the Dead Sea, be the Sea of Galilee. Have input and output, and you'll stay fresh. And I'll tell you what I think is a wonderful way to have output, so to speak, to be like the good shepherd, to leave the 90 and 9 and go out in search of the one. And it's what we're doing right now. Catholic Radio, I'm talking to you. You're listening at home, your car, or wherever, on your phone. But it's one of the best ways I know of to let others hear of the good shepherd's voice. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't receive, you know, it's not a multi-million dollar building project and all this kind of stuff. So it kind of gets, eh, you know, it's there, you know. No, this, we really need to be a part of an apostolate which goes out. Yes, we need the stuff for ourselves, for our families, for our parishes, but we need to go outside of ourselves. And that's why I think it's so wonderful about Catholic Radio, because it's outward focused. And by you supporting your Catholic radio station, what are you doing? You're joining with that outreach and maybe even giving them a call. What can I do? Can I answer phones, help with a mailing? But certainly you can take out a check and just write a check for whatever the Lord prompts you to give. And then just a little PS, I would add, add a zero to that because it's that valuable to those outside, to the one that the good shepherd will leave the 90 and 9 for. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, this is very simple, but think of things that reach out for those on the outside and how we can bring them in and how can you maybe sponsor somebody in RCIA. By the way, nobody knows what that is if you're an outsider, so you're going to have to translate that for people. Bring them in, and by doing so, you will find the life of Christ stays fresh, and you have that lively faith rather than that drying up dead faith that only seeks to meet its own needs. And if you do that, you know, what can I say? You're following Jesus, and that's the way you'd be a real happy camper as a Catholic. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 251 of Faith and Family. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.